0: hi and welcome back to the cio show i'm david binning associate editor cio australia the tech sector has plenty of people who never set out to work in the industry let alone ascend to senior roles yet through some twist of fate or chance encounter that's exactly what has happened and in some cases they've found themselves in major tech roles managing big teams and big budgets in this episode we've got a panel of talented yet accidental australian tech professionals talking about how they came to be where they are today how their previous professional lives and experiences helped them on their journey, and what advice they have to people who may be considering similarly radical career changes. Joining me now are Finbar Hamlin, a talented polymath, who worked as a session musician, performer, producer, accomplished tech startup founder, a CTO and a CIO, and also a TED talker. Welcome, Finbar. Thank you. Nice to be here, guys. And Jerry Schofield, who's a general manager of process systems and training. With Australian shipping container Royal Royal Wolf, which was recently acquired by multinational giant United Rentals. Hi, Jerry. Good afternoon. Pablo Quintana, who's a Pegasus architect and other and specialist and other tech platforms, working with veteran um, recruitment training organization with you, with me, and currently on Secondment to some interesting on some interesting projects with Accenture. Thank you very much, David. Pleasure to be here. Right, man. And David Jones, who's the APAC Managing Director of Recruitment Firm, Robert Half. Welcome to you as well, David. Thank you. Now, David, there's, there's clearly a trend, a, a lot of shifting um, dynamics in terms of recruitment and the skills issue in Australia, and not only in Australia, globally. Talk to me a little bit about the recent studies that, that Robert Half has published on the tech skills um, shortage and, and how this top the topic of the conversation today is so crucial within that context
1: yeah sure so i mean as as recent as this week we've seen unemployment just go below five percent here in australia and so um, one could argue whatever the government is doing is working to some degree we know also that a big part of that or what's been driving that is great economic recovery um but migrants and if you like the movement of people has been inhibited to let's say zero and so that has had a significant impact on labour markets across all sectors. It's um, definitely um, impacted, impeded um, the tech technology space, and is a definite, is, 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 is certainly a contributing factor as to why unemployment is so low, um, yeah. because you don't have that movement of people. Now, as as a consequence of that, it is it is leading people to think more laterally around what talent is available, what talent pools can you tap into. And so there's a there's a, a wide range, range, obviously, of technology uh, positions, professions, how you may come into technology, where you may be in the food chain, what type of role that you do, um, whether you be entry level all the way through to a CIO, CTO, chief digital officer, chief innovation officer, whatever it might be. Yeah. The sector you work in, the size of the company, these are all huge factors, but there is no doubt that probably through necessity, people in hiring positions are beginning to think a little bit differently and probably looking at attitude and behavior, perhaps more so than just pure technical capability. Um, now, at the, at, the, at the most senior levels of, of technology professionals, that CIO, CTO type of level role, there's been a, there's been a huge shift um, towards kind of DevOps dev- methodologies, agile methodologies, human-centered thinking. And so as you get towards the top end of the food chain, it becomes much more around influencing skills, getting people to work collaboratively, embracing remote into hybrid work patterns uh, that different parts of the country are experiencing again now. And those influencing skills don't always have to be originated from a technology background, of course. Yeah,
0: sure. Jerry, we we met for the first time not that long ago and and it was actually you that gave me the idea for this episode.
2: Sure, and I and I guess that sometimes um, when I go to, to techie events, I like to just you know lay it bare um, of how I how I'm having to be there, and um, almost that I'm not sure I should be here, but this is where I am, and I think sure. sometimes I probably undersell um, you know the skills I have to do a a tech job. And um, I think what David said was really relevant and and good news for someone like me, who has such a diverse background um, that led me into this role. And I think if it wasn't for employers seeing something other than tech um, in your resume, then, um, you know, I I wouldn't have had that opportunity.
3: Uh,
2: And, you know, so for me, I think I have a military background, so 18 years in the Army. Um, then I went into, you know, I was self-employed with running two small businesses simultaneously, um, moved into a, a plastics fabrication business as a general manager. And then the next, the, my next role then sort of got me more into technology um, and it was running a, a, a call centre with inbound technicians, uh, technician help desk and um, a national operations centre. For the installation of MBN and fiber, so I had to learn a bit about different technologies. Uh, but really, I think it was it was just my ability to be able to adapt, learn new things, be curious. Um, the military moves you around every couple of years, and um, they don't necessarily care what your last job was uh, or what or what you're trained in. Uh, they expect that you will you will pick up what needs to be learned and. Crack on. So, also, I think leadership had a big part to play um, in that. I'm given a team, and I'm trusted that I'll be able to make that team work, mm-hmm. uh, as in hum, not work, uh, mm-hmm. and and deliver what they need to to deliver through. Yeah. You know, just like I said, good leadership, being able to guide them, hold them to account, yeah. all of those things that you know we we know is expected of us. Uh, as the person delivering the technology.
0: Yeah, and just um, over to you, Pablo, and and picking up as well on on your observation there, David, that one of the reasons why unemployment is so low in Australia is the buoyancy of the tech sector in Australia. And Pablo, it was your experience that you were working um, quite happily in a very different career. You were working as a a painter until COVID pulled the rug out from under you and your family, of course. And then through this organisation with you, with me, that, that was your sort of route into an IT profession. I think it's a fascinating journey. Tell me a little bit more about it.
3: Yeah, sure, thanks David. A little bit of background, I was in the Navy from 2004 to 2010. Unfortunately, getting out of the Defence Force, uh, really struggled. I didn't have any certifications or nothing to sort of back me up and getting out. Yeah. So I literally had to start from the bottom of the ladder. Nothing worked over the 10 years. Yeah. Um, I definitely had little successes throughout the last 10 years with different uh, employment but I never felt like this is what I wanted to do. Um, And as David mentioned for the last uh, five years, um, prior to November, 2020, I was a painter and I enjoyed it. It was therapeutic. It was lovely, but I knew it wasn't something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, And as David has previously mentioned, my back, I don't think would have liked it too much when I hit an older age, but all the jobs that I've applied for, it always came back to me that not enough experience or you don't have this certificate or we need this. And it, it, it takes it takes a hit on you, um, and you struggle even more. Yeah. But with you of me stepped up, um, I jumped on their platform. They provided the training for free. I got to study at home, the comfort of my home with my family in and at the end of it, I got an amazing phone call um, from one of the customer success executives at With You of Me uh, for an opportunity to join a program called the uh, the Pega program, where I'll be learning the Pega systems platform. Be certified as a system and a business architect within a short time frame, and at the end of it, I have a job, and to top it all off, I got paid to do it. Um, so you can imagine the blessing in disguise this was for me, providing for my family, and having this in the middle of COVID. Um, it was the, one of the most fantastic opportunities I could have grabbed and taken, and at the moment, I'm running with it. Yeah, mate, and you started out, you know, really on the
0: working in the city of your pants, but um, Finba, you're somebody who knows something about working. Operating in the city of Pants, being a musician and developing technical skills there. And remarkably, now looking back, having launched not just one or two, but even was it four startup companies, a few of those you took public? Tell me, tell us a little bit more about your story to becoming, you've been both the CIO and the CTO, as well as everything else you've done.
4: Well, I guess from an early age, I was a guitar player, I used to travel around actually a lot of different countries demonstrating guitars. I was quite good at a very early age. Got in a band, top pops, countdown, all that sort of stuff uh, in the 80s. Um, and I, I was at the very early age, I was very young, but I was at the very early age when music, recording, and, dig- and video was transferring from film and analog to digital. So I got really just curious and just got deep into this transformation that was happening in digitizing the film and television and audio world. And so that led me to working for some of the biggest companies in the world, being a product specialist, training people. I got very good, very quick, didn't do any certifications. I just learned, um, just through my curiosity. And then so I became a product specialist for a couple of uh, big companies. One was Apple. Uh, and then I just, I got to a point where I just get really bored really quickly so I just I was like okay well I can do this for the rest of my life but I started getting interested in um, in looking at how do I solve problems using digital audio and video and so the first one was looking at a, a problem for a banking system so I, I delivered a um, for a, one of Australia's big banks back in early 2000 a piece of software which I wrote in a multimedia application uh, to schedule and uh communications in a branch and then switch between live tv anyway long story short i sold that to a major multinational they flew me to america i then demonstrated that they sold that internationally and yeah. so i started my journey with um multimedia and developing software and so i was a terrible coder but i learned to code myself and so then i in this space i, be, I got involved with a couple of startups and one we we took around the world i was uh doing the integration with. World Cup 2006, a lot of the big broadcasters in France, Germany, it was the early stages of streaming. So I was, I was, uh, I knew about how to distribute, you know, at that time, thousands of streams simultaneously on live view. Long story short, I I, I saw the cracks in the system. And then I started developing a technology whilst everyone was building platforms. I looked at the internal data structure of actual video files, and how there were two database structures. Long story short, I, I invented and patented a technology, which I raised tens of millions of dollars into. I had offices in about four countries of the world. I was living in America, doing trials with some of the biggest telcos. And it was around being able to build and produce a piece of content without rendering. So on the fly, production yeah. of video to an individual. And that now company's now floated on the ASX. It's called Linious. And so um, out of that journey from being an inventor, getting patents then raising money, then being the CEO, but really the tech guy who invented it and then going and finding a CEO and being the CTO and then going and finding a really good CTO. Yeah. Um, it was a really interesting journey that I become chairman of the board, but each part of that journey, I learned something different. And so, um, you know, I really learned how to interface between what the board wants and how to actually get a product built. And so after that, I've I, I worked on a number of different executions of the big technology companies. I did a one big distribution of a media company that has 40 million assets, multiple brands, and we engineered a, a new licensing and content distribution model. So all this technical sounding stuff, what I found was really interesting to me was the, um, the application of systematized thinking, whether it's dialectic thinking, human-centered design, design thinking, lateral thinking, critical thinking, and most importantly, the the tribal thinking methodologies. And so for me, it was about how do I build frameworks around how to validate customers want, how do I validate what my team wants, what what the board wants. And so I, I started to work on that. And then I came back to Australia, exited my business and just started consulting and helping boards understand how to, um, Um, basically de-risk the uh, Mm. disruption so and and how do they sort of build that ability to have foresight so yeah look for me it's this um, um, the accidental CIO has just come out of a necessity of no no education in it just um, just constant thirst for curiosity and knowledge and just going on the journey and just being detailed and pragmatic about everything I do really
0: and certainly a level of absolute fearlessness
4: (laughs) Well, it's be it, it's all well, See, it's it's interesting. Are People talk about important? you know these words like pivot and all this sort of stuff. I or failure. Yeah. I just call them learn. Like, mm. I, 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 and here's an interesting thing that uh, may be interesting to you. It was interesting to me. I put an office in Silicon Valley for one of my companies. I had a really hot, great technology lead um, who was working under me, and had a great bunch of great developers who were all Scala developers. They're all building, you know, came out of LinkedIn, building large enterprise stuff. And I was constantly fighting with them because they didn't believe you could build renderless video. And I'm a guy who just hacked it together from throughout a necessity. And I I was constantly, they were challenged because they had a belief system around how you, what SDKs you use, what's your technology stack, how you, and they didn't come at it from, okay, what's possible? How do I merge things together? How do I? And so I had to really educate unlearn these that my tech team, and that took so much effort. And it was a a really interesting learning for me about, well, wow, if we're gonna sort of push new boundaries, it's very much the, well, now I know this, so we're gonna use this code base or, and so for me, it was like, well, this is the direction of the board. This is what we have to deliver. And yet we're bound by these traditional lanes of thinking or technology stacks. It's like, I don't know. I found that really, really interesting.
1: We enable any organization, to use any technology. We help all companies become technology companies. Protecting the identity of both workforces and customers. Connecting the right people to the right technology at the right time. Okta, one trusted platform to secure every identity in your organization. No,
0: I think, I think ACIO, Looking at a at a bunch of resumes would be um, really fascinated to, to hear a part of your response at the beginning, Jerry, in saying that in the in the military they don't care what you've done before. I thought that was a really interesting statement.
2: I mean, they're not. It's not that blind, but it is. Um, I'm sure know.
0: they're not. I'm sure they're not saying fly that jet aircraft. I don't care what you have done. <laughs> <Yeah. it." laughs>
2: Go on, you'll learn it. Yeah, it's yeah. a helicopter.
0: Yeah, 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 don't freak out. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um look, I think and it, and it's probably um you know by, it's probably what you needed was people that just to go in with um you know a bit wider eyes and to say, well this is this is what our end state is. Um and and there there will be a way to get to it. So you know just change change your mindset and and uh, look for all possibilities. There's lots of skills that we've applied um. And I've seen other military people apply into tech, and I think sometimes it's just a self belief as well, and and um, a little bit like what you said, Timba, where you just say, "Well, is it that hard? Let's let's get on and, and have and explore this a bit deeper, and and um, you know just have a have a different outlook, and generally you'll be able to." Um, you know, find, find solutions, and I think that's part of it is being, is being curious, being able to identify what the problem is you're trying to solve, and, and not thinking too much like uh, into the technology of it first, but more into the process mm. of, you know, what am I trying to solve, and, and, and what does that look like practically, and then look for the IT solution to it.
4: Yeah, 100%. It's it's yeah.
1: interesting. It's interesting whether the, the 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 company or the scenario, you know, broadly you could say is is someone is someone looking to disrupt and innovate,
0: yeah. or
1: is somebody looking to keep up with disruption? Yeah. And 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 what we see is when it comes to hiring, th- those those types of mindsets result in very different types of hires. Yeah. Um and um and what we've seen over the last 18 months is are you on a burning platform are you is time running out where you just won't keep up with disruption mm. or are you ahead of that burning platform and you're innovating they're they're very different kind of circumstance and i think as as jerry has mentioned earlier as well you know w- we do a lot of work with private equity backed or invested organizations where there's typically an event horizon as well where certain goals and things need to be achieved mm. and so perhaps it's great that we've got this a very Diverse and a collective group here, but um, Finbar's kind of mindset around it's not innovation; it's common sense. That's not very common, um, and 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 a lot of people tend to look at um, uh, you know trying to keep up with disruption as is a very pragmatic sequence of events. Whereas when you're disrupting and innovating, you've just got this sort of chaos theory going on, which is far more innovative.
4: But, but I, I would I would say, though, that that is the general consensus. And so I, there's two points that I think that play off that is that innovation as a word is a nice to have. Disruption mm-hmm. is a fear-based word. And the fear-based word drives action, whereas innovation is doesn't drive action. It's like, oh, well, we'll get to that once we sort of, you know. It, and a lot of that is driven through this concept or this thought process around what The word is, and a lot of people can't even describe what innovation is, uh, but they can describe what disruption is. But on the other side of it, people think that this chaos theory is like it's all this stuff going around, and you can just synthesize the data. But there is a very pragmatic frameworks around these different thinking systems which you apply, and so the, the people think it's just oh, it's just so easy to do; it's just common sense. But no, there is. It's not about what I think; it's about a framework that you run through, which brings to light the data. And so it's it's, it it can be it can seem as though, oh, well, you just come up with this stuff, but there is a process around it. And I guess what I learned from these different roles was it taught me you have to have a pragmatic process. And it's not about what I think it's about what the data tells you, but it's about being able to ask the questions which helps you form the data. And so, um, you know, a lot of people think it's just oh so easy and you just you just innovation is this crazy word. You put someone in there and they come up with an idea. Well, it's to me, it's a lot more than that.
0: Yeah, sure. And, and, and um, oh, eight, eight, 18 months into your IT career, how are you reflecting on your, your time in the Navy and you know, the skills and, and attributes that you acquired from, from that experience now, now bringing to this new career trajectory that you're on?
3: Um, I, I think I've gotten really lucky. Um, I joined up the Navy quite young, so I'd like to think I was a fresh mould. Yeah. So I really took on a lot of the, the military values. Little things like waking up early is something I really enjoy now rather than sleeping in. The (laughs) discipline, um, the drive and the mindset of doing your duty and getting that job done. Um, And whether it is for service or it is for financial, the fact is that it's something that's just ingrained. And as veterans coming alongside and looking for that employment as well outside, we don't lose that. That sticks with us. It's ingrained into you. It becomes your life and your cultural lifestyle. Um, and, and to build a little bit more, I agree with, Finn, uh, with Finn, but purely because with you of me, we like to think that we can disrupt a lot of things. And that's because we get veterans that don't have any belief in themselves and we find that potential in them. Yeah. So as I came on board with you of me, I didn't feel like I had the skill set to, to do any job in the tech industry. I had no certificates. I liked it, but I had nothing to show for it and to make something for myself in that industry. But the great thing about With You With Me, they spotted the potential in me. They go, okay, we have Pablo here. He's you know, he's ready to go. He's willing to learn and, and work hard for this. And so using, I suppose, what we call like the With You With Me way, uh, which is discover, train, uh, deploy and grow. And just using those four, we're able to discover those the skills that veterans and those like have using testing, yeah. able to find out what their strengths are and train to those strengths. From there, we deploy them either individuals or as what I am a squad leader, as a squad to those customers and clients such as Accenture. So we're filling up those tech shortage gaps with people that want to do the job and can do that job. And it's highly successful. I I mean, yes, I am one, but there's thousands of others now moving through the platforms and really, really succeeding, both personally and professionally.
0: What do you make of all that, David? I mean, it's an interesting sort of trend that not many people would be aware of.
1: Well, I think it's great. I think it's really positive. It's yeah. probably been bore about a little bit by circumstance, which is okay. perhaps something really a silver lining to come out of what we've experienced over the last 18 months. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it, it's kind of, it, it's interesting around, you know, if, if people come to us and they're looking for a permanent hire, they they, they, they pay a fee and perhaps on the lower end it's 20,000 and on the higher end, it's 150, 200,000, depending upon the nature of the role and the salary, etc. And so what we see is just where where are companies in their life cycle? What sector are they in? Are they in the tech sector? Are they in the non-tech sector? Are they in FMCG? Are they in financial services? The the, the circumstance and the parameters are just so different based upon circumstance. We we're often requested, though, to buy in certain skills, certain behaviors at a certain moment in time yeah. in order to take a company from, you know, point A to point B, whatever it might be. Um, and so we're often not afforded to place people in something that they've never done before. Mm. Typically, people are looking to buy in some degree of skill or expertise to take the organization forward. Um What we do see, though, increasingly, particularly when you get to the top end of the food chain within IT, the initial background of those people is quite wide and varied. So whilst we are placing uh, tech individuals with certain skills, which are definitely, as you go up the food chain, more human-centered kind of mindsets and think patterns, um, the variety of the background initially, which might have been 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it can be quite wide and varied it, 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 even you know know I'm probably talking bigger corporate entities here but even in the last zero to five years you've seen this very interesting fusion now between CIOs and chief HR officers and yes. and the reason for that is when you're looking at change management programs and when you're looking at digital and tech innovation at the end of the day it's it's not so much about the tech. It's more about the behavioral change that's required in people. Um, and so, you know, having been in this business now for a long period of time, yeah, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have seen that fusion between CIO and and chief um, uh, HR officer. It just It just wouldn't have been something that people would have done. But now it's naturally occurring, I think, as you get these differing roles of CIO, CTO, which perhaps CTO has more of an external focus, then you've got chief digital officers, chief innovation officers, and obviously those having all of those myriad of roles depends on probably being a multinational company, et cetera. But as you get lower down the food chain, smaller companies, faster growing, more innovative entities, you see a fusion of all of those four leadership roles into one, working with the other CC leaders to get outcomes and to you know, lead innovation or keep up with innovation. Yeah. Agree. I
2: was I was just thinking that um, at chief at chief customer officer to that as well yes. um, understanding your customer your customers and the, and um, the data and understanding their journeys within your business help you know direct the company into what innovations or, or or new technologies that they might like to develop. And, you know, I know just thinking across all the people, all the panellists today, we, to get into tech at different levels and that's what you're talking about, David, is depending on where you want to enter into the technology world, what skills you need. You know, I'm in a business that is very traditional, um, mm-hmm. very low tech. We have, you know, to to provide a customer portal would probably surprise and delight our customers because, you know, we're into shipping containers uh, and not the technical side of it, just as a storage module. And, but we've still got an opportunity in even in a business such as this to make a change, to get into development, to, um, you know, innovate and provide products that's not seen across our industry before, but how they compare to um, some of the startups and the exciting stuff that you talk about, Finbar is, you know they're worlds apart but i suppose there's so many different levels of technology and where how you can contribute
4: I, yeah i think what's fascinating about what you both said actually is for, <clears throat> i've always worked in this startup to scale up space especially when it gets to scale up and so at that top level of the organization is like what david was saying is that you tend to be you have to you've got a small team so you don't have a cio and a ceo and a, and a chief customer officer and a, so you basically have it, as the inventor in some things, you have to know about the tech, you have to know about the customer, you have to know how to sell, you have to know how to raise investment, you have to know how to talk to your investors. And it's sort of, it's an interesting amalgamation and sort of, as I come now, it's like, I have no idea what to describe myself as, but I'm very tech focused, but it's sort of, people say a chief customer officer, I go, well, I are you, my customer data comes from a basically design thinking framework. So it's it's part ingrained in, in how, but it's just, I think it's it's interesting in that scale up because you're sort of wearing many hats. Um, and it's, it's then you come out and you go, well, where do I really fit? And I, I don't know. So, you know, but, so I find it really interesting that, you know, there's a lot of people that I've worked with who are just, focused on one particular role and and a lot of that role i think is important to know about some of these other roles so i think there's a a synthesis of different things that should come together and so hence with that hr and the um and the and the cio that david was talking about is this amalgamation and synthesis of thinking about well these are important parts that do do fuse together and i think we might see more of that you know jerry
0: something something you you mentioned it back to, back to the when we met for lunch at, We had met at the lunch about a month ago saying that when you took on the current role that you're in now, they sort of said, sort of as an afterthought, towards the end of the interview, I would also like you to take care of all the IT as well. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I didn't want want this to come
2: across as if my company didn't care about IT. No.
0: But but now you've got a clear idea as to how you inspired me to, to create this episode. Well, I think really I always my oyster
2: out. Yeah. I think when you when you've got a company our size, um, the the highest the highest IT person becomes your IT manager. Yeah. And, and and that's where that, that sits and they look after the traditional IT side and then there's process and systems and they're they're you know bubbling along as well. And they're generally reportable up to your executive committee, but nobody really wants to own them necessarily because they're hard and not everyone understands them. So when I was interviewing for this role, it was more around process and being able to have a look across the business and see how they do things and how we can make process more efficient. So that obviously leads into you can't do that now without that involving a system and then also the training. So I got the training as well. But, yes, it was towards the end where um, if you'd like to come on, you'll be also taking on the IT team. Um, now, I, I declared straight up <laughs> my knowledge level. Um, but what I did assure them and I was willing to take on the challenge was that, you know, I do know how to lead a team. I do know how to hold, um, you know, how to hold people to account, how to write, ask the right questions, how to investigate myself, how to manage vendors you know all of those things. that's really just bringing that all together, so you can still manage that and be that um, be that cover for the IT and the systems team, so that they're not they've they've got some support and a, and a sponge between you know the executive and, and let to let them get on and do their job. So I was I was quite willing to to take that on, um, even if it's not my my passion. Um, I'm learning a lot, and I think we can. Um, you know with the willingness you're able to to provide a really good service to your company and in the, the end of the day you know connectivity just keep keep things moving keep things connected make it so that uh, on the it side of things so that everybody can do their job uh, mm-hmm. as fast as they can and as efficiently as they can it's a bit simplistic but on the it side of that that's what that's what you know i've managed to keep in my mind, is probably my main role to keep the business functioning in that way.
0: Very much a practical, simple, sort of simple approach. You mentioned Jerry managing vendors. So that must have been something for somebody who hadn't been a CEO or a, a tech leader for that long.
2: Look, I think what was important for me, and I've and I've seen it in um, previous business I've been in, is to build a really strong relationship with your vendor, your developer, um, and. What I, I insisted on them learning about our business. I insisted on them understanding what happens in our business, where the tech is, what, you know, a container comes back in off hire, what happens next, what, what do they see on the iPad, why do they need to do this? But just, you know, understanding the business as a whole and yeah. that means they can they can be part of the scoping. You're not just going to them and handing them a scope and they go, well, that's what you said to do. You know, they also can come back to you and say, "Are you sure you want that to go there?" Because you know, we've put this in place. Remember last year, we, we you know, and yeah. and they're they're involved and they understand. And I think that's been, you know, that that's been a really important thing, um, a really important part of of working closely with a vendor. You get that trust, but they they feel then they feel part of your business as well. They understand it enough to be able to so that the conversations are two way, um, and we listen to them, uh, and you know I think that's managing a vendor in that way has been you know really successful.
0: It's it's interesting that theme of kind of being curious and asking lots of questions. In invariably when there are technology failures, one of the first sort of bullet points is that not enough questions were. Were asked asking the questions that other people are not asking, and that's an really important point.
4: Yeah, the um, if I can just share a story, I was a CTO of a company um, called Givera. At the time, we were challenged with bringing in. All these music assets about 42 million from all the different labels universal emi io to the orchard yeah managing territorial controls digital rights management so ingesting them into one system but then also aligning with a brand and building a brand channel whereby the enforcement of being able to pick a song by a brand would enforce a licensing agreement so to build an algorithm whereby the licensing agreement wasn't enforced and everyone said it was basically impossible so what i did was i grabbed my teams And I put them together and we got the user interface developed first. And so then what I did was I then ran a service design process on each button. So the team was part of, the, the developers were all part of that understanding what button gets pressed and what happens through that whole journey. And then I assigned teams to each button, to each parts of the user interface. So I did it the other way around and then we worked out what architecture and what systems and how that needed to work and asset protection and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we developed and built the system in seven months and they'd ne- the developers had never worked like that whereby they were part of the visual understanding of how a customer uses the system before they even laid a, a line of code. Mm-hmm. And it was really great because they they owned the part of the customer journey. So it was, it, it was part of that human-centred design or the design thinking process. But we used that as an architecture or a technology design process. And we, we got and we delivered it right on dead because we had some critical times. But we, we hit it and we, we launched.
0: Yeah, sure. What are, what are your thoughts on that, Pablo, about, you know, um, this sort of holistic range of, of skills that are required in IT that one might not necessarily acquire from within the career? <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, look, I, I think it's just a lot of expectations. I think there's a lot of tech companies that have the expectations of who and what they want and need. Um, and they're very, they're very straightforward like that. They're, they're not willing to adjust or change. Um, I think now, especially at With Your me to use an example, it's becoming more like, okay, we want to we wanna get veterans on board and we want to turn them into technologists. Yeah. Rather than being specific on just now the one tech, there is so much variety um, through consultancy agencies and through other businesses that we want to be able to provide the best thing and the best opportunities for each person. So yes, I may be certified on, on Pegasystems, um, but I know hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I also want to start getting myself certified on Salesforce and things like that and really opening up my own tech experience and I suppose in essence, upping my professional value. and not being able to do that on my own is probably the biggest struggle, I suppose, not only myself would have faced, but a lot of other people face on that day-to-day. Yeah. What do they do? They jump online. They have a look at what jobs are available. They go to the the requirements and it is longer. It's a longer list than the actual description of the job. Yeah. And there's the expectation that it is all required. So being able to adjust and change that and at least being able to provide some of those skills to people, yeah. either free or having the opportunity to learn on the job and given the opportunity to prove your worth, I think is hopefully the next step for a lot of people and especially with COVID now. People here are willing to grow on their own potential and their own aptitude. People are starting in their own time. People are making the efforts to to really up themselves and and make a difference in their own career lives. And I think that's really essential as tech companies grow. Tech companies, like I say, at the moment, I believe are very... One-minded, and and that's fine. It's it's a business, but the people have to make that business, and they need to be more open and willing to accept people and to train them on the job. Yeah, you can't expect everyone. I mean, we call them unicorns. You, you can't have too many unicorns. They don't exist. Yeah, well, I think
0: um, I think we can all agree on that. Everybody, thanks so much for being part of this this conversation. It's very interesting indeed, and good luck with everyone's uh, careers going forward, whatever they may be presented to them.
4: Thank you guys. So thank nice you. you. Thank, thank you very you. Nice much. Thank you
0: guys. Nice meeting you all. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. The managed service providers are an important element of many organizations' digital efforts, especially for those with limited staff and other resources. But are you sure you're getting the maximum value from your investment? Does your MSP properly understand your business and business goals? Have you given enough information and taken the right steps to ensure that they do? We hope you can join us.